so good to be back with you, family, and uh, to be back in the pulpit. So I want to, I wanna, first I just want to say how thankful I am for our team. I did not have one moment of anxiety about being away from the church for a month because we have such a fantastic leadership team here at the church. And when I walked back in onto campus, everything was elevated. Everything was better. So the key is for me to stay away longer. Things get better when I stay away. So, so impressed. Um, I want to say that uh, regarding the connect groups, I'm going to start uh, my Zoom group back up this Thursday night. So for those of you who are not able to attend in person or are not ready to attend in person, um, you can join me uh, in my Thursday night Bible studies. It's from 7.15 to 8.15, and um, you can I think go to our website and, and, and find out how to uh, connect with us. But uh, it's a one-hour, and uh, it's a great way to stay connected. It's a great way to get into the Word of God, and the way we do it uh, makes it uh, accessible to those who are new to the Bible, those who are investigating Christianity, have questions, and those who are veterans in the kingdom of God. And uh, it's a great inductive study, a lot of just good uh, conversations around the Bible. So Thursday nights from 7 to 8. And for those of you that drop your kids off the youth group, um, you can just jump on your phone or jump on your laptop. That's what I do. I take my kids down to wherever the youth group's meeting. I pop over my laptop and I do my Zoom Bible study right there with whoever wants to join me. So feel free to be a part of that. I uh, also want to start today with a great testimony. Last Sunday, as uh, Rick Higgins was, uh, he, he was uh, contracted COVID uh, in the hospital and he was um, taking a turn for the worse. And last Sunday, I believe it was uh, either here, you guys prayed for or pre-service prayer, I believe, well, maybe where it was. And it was, it was, what's that? Both of them. And it was last Sunday morning that it turned. And uh, he should be released, yeah, Monday to Tuesday. So uh, prayer is the power on earth that changes everything. And that's why Jesus, the Son of God, prayed as, as intensely and as uh, much as he did. So let's not think that we can get through this life and survive and thrive without prayer. That's just foolishness. You and I have got to be people of prayer. So today, though, I want to jump into a message that I've been wanting to speak to you about, and that is how to fulfill your divine destiny. So... First, to make sure I'm speaking to the right group of people, how many of you want to fulfill your divine destiny? Raise your hands. I want to know I'm preaching to the right people. Are you online? Do you want to fulfill your divine destiny? Now, that might be a rhetorical question, but it absolutely is not. It is the question since the fall of Adam and Eve. It's actually the question from before Adam and Eve, and that is with Lucifer in heaven. There are two paths, and only two paths you can choose. One is God's divine plan for your life, and the other is your plan for your life. Lucifer chose his own plan, and he got cast out of heaven. And he went from being an archangel to being a demon. And a third of the heaven's angels went with him, and they lost their glory, their heavenly, uh, angelic place, and they fell to the earth, and they are now what are called demon spirits. Human beings, Adam and Eve, they had their divine destiny. They were walking with God as designed in the cool of the day with God. And then they chose by being deceived by the deceiver who Lucifer's name was changed to Satan, which means deceiver. He deceived Adam and Eve to believe this one lie that has been believed ever since. 
that if you would choose to live independently from God and choose your own five-year plan, your own 10-year plan, map out your own future, live on your own wisdom, your own resources, you will have a much more fulfilling life than if you ever served God. That's the lie. And we buy it. And so you have a choice to either fulfill God's plan for your life or you can come up with your own plan for your life. And this is the battle of the wills. And that's what I want to talk to you about today because um, I care about you choosing the right path. I want to be there when you bust your ribbon at the end of the race and Jesus looks at you in the eyes and says, well done. Woo! That was tough, wasn't it? (laughs) But well done, my good and faithful servant. And then I'll be standing over there as your pastor. I'll go, yeah. And I'll say, well done. Thank you. You know, I mean, that's my reward is you finishing your race well, walking with Jesus. And uh, so, and today's message is not going to be complicated. It's going to be basic. But look, I was at a volleyball tournament this weekend. My daughter plays volleyball. And there's one team dominating everybody. And the, uh, one of the dads sitting next to me, he said, man, that team over there from such and such school, they are just dominating. And I'd been watching them. I said, yeah, and you know why? They do the basics well. They block, they pass, they hit. They do the basics well. They're not doing anything fancy. There's no mystery to it. They're in their spot when they're supposed to be in their spot. They hit properly. They have the right skill set. It's the same way with Christianity. It's not complicated. It's not a mystery. Do the basics well and you will succeed in your Christian walk. But it's not easy. So today I want to say to you this key phrase. To fulfill God's destiny for your life, you must become what I call a nevertheless. what that means in just a minute we're going to look at jesus as he comes up against the hardest moment in his life as a human being on earth and fulfilling god's divine destiny for his life he is our example right he is our guide he is our captain he is our god he's our chief he's the one that we follow I mean, you either choose to follow Jesus when he says, come follow me, and you say, yes, you choose to follow him, or he says, come follow me, and you say, no, I'm going this way. Those are the two paths. However, even once you say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, which secures your salvation, and when you die, you will go to heaven because you have chosen to follow Jesus, which means you've made him your Lord, which means that sacrifice for your sins upon the cross uh, has become yours, meaning Your sins are completely forgiven, gifted by God. And so now you're saved and you're following Jesus. But how many of you know every minute of every hour of every day of every month of every year, you still have to continually decide to follow Jesus, right? I mean, your salvation is secure. You chose to follow him. However, there are relationships, there are decisions, there are obstacles, there are personal desires that you constantly have to make the decision every single day, am I going to do what God wants me to do or am I going to do what I want to do, even as a Christian? Am I preaching to anybody today? Is this just for me? Oh, I know it's not. 
You know how I know? Because you're human, <laughs> right? But some decisions are harder than others. Now, Jesus, before we get to the point that we're going to investigate today in Jesus's life, he had already been through some tough stuff. I mean, imagine as I describe just a little bit of what Jesus has been through, and I'm setting this up so that we can look to Jesus as our example. When we think it's hard to obey God, let's look at Jesus and what he went through and how he continued to obey God. Now, imagine I'm talking about you. Character defamation. That means that your character has been maligned. That people actually think that you are a liar. And, worse than that, you're a deceiver. And beyond that, ready for this? That you're demon-possessed. Now, there are some people may actually think that of you. Maybe you've been accused of being demon-possessed. Oh. <laughs> I have one church member doing this, looking over at another church member, trying to get my attention. I've been telling you about that person over there, Pastor. They actually called, they actually, his, his reputation was he was a deceiver of the people and he was demon-possessed. Did you know that? That they actually accused Jesus of being demon-possessed? Here's another one. Now, wear this for yourself. That he was rejected by his family. His own brothers and sisters did not believe who he said he was. Have you ever been misunderstood? You ever been rejected by brothers, sisters, cousins, family members? Jesus was rejected by his own family. Jesus was abandoned by his entire congregation. They're all saying how wonderful he is. Multitudes are following him. I mean, he is the flavor of the month. I mean, all the other religious leaders are so angry because all the multitudes are following. He preaches one sermon they don't like, and they all left. Abandoned by his congregation. Eventually abandoned by all of his friends. His reputation was that he was a child out of wedlock, which he was. Now, in our culture, that's not such a big deal. And that culture, game over. And imagine that people have tried to kill you on multiple occasions. Where you can't even go to certain towns. Let's go to Escondido. Oh, we can't go to Escondido. They tried to kill me last time I was there. Well, let's go to El Cajon. I can't go there either. They tried to kill me. Could you imagine there are certain towns in San Diego County you can't go to because people are trying to kill you? Okay, so this is some tough stuff Jesus has already faced. However, we are now going to face the toughest moment of his life in obeying the will of God. And so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 26. And we will pick it up where Jesus is in the garden. He is ready to go to the cross. And it says in verse 36, Then Jesus came with them, his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. Now, the word Gethsemane, means oil press oil press it's where this is an olive grove this is where jesus went to pray all the time and they had oral presses in this olive grove where they take the they take the the uh, olives and they press them so the oil comes out which is the good stuff 
when you're being pressed by life, just know that it's producing Christ-likeness in you. That's how Jesus is formed in you. When you come to the end of yourself is when Jesus begins to express himself through you. I remember I used to be a quitter. I quit everything. I quit relationships. I quit sports. I quit jobs. When the pressure was really, really hard, I would just quit. Who, I mean, who wants that? And I just, I was just going somewhere to quit something. I mean, that's what I did. I just quit. I got born again and I began following Jesus and I would be in a situation and I would want to quit and I would feel the Lord say, no. You ever felt that before? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, yes, I hate that. <laughs> no, I felt this check on the inside of me. I'd never felt before. It's like, I think that's the Lord. I wanted to quit my job so bad. I could not even see straight. Anybody ever been there before? I mean, I did not want to go to work one more time. I remember laying on and my, my, I was a single guy here in San Diego. I was the manager of three stores, and the stress was so bad. I was literally spread eagle on my living room floor, facing the carpet, saying, I do not want to go to work one more day. The stress of my neck and my shoulders but I knew the Lord wanted me at that place of work. And I obeyed him week after week, month after month, year after year. And do you know, after I became the pastor of this church and I hired a, a, a consultant for Fortune 500 companies, and she came in and she did a day uh, seminar for the volunteers of our church at that time there were about 70 volunteers in our church and we went through the seminar and you come out with a um, profile of your strengths it's a pyramid and at the top of the pyramid the, the first block is your strongest characteristic and then all the way down to the bottom strengths they're all strengths but the top to the bottom strength strongest to the weakest i saw the top strength on my pyramid and i was it was like this is somebody else's profile. Because the top strength was endurance. I can take zero credit for that. That was not my endurance. That was Jesus' endurance that he worked into my character. Can I hear an amen? But you don't get that if you run. You've got to obey God. If he says stay, you stay. If he says go, you go. If he says quit, you quit. If he says don't, you don't. If he says do, you do. If he says jump, you jump. If he says run, you run. If he says sit, you sit. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. So, we're in the olive grove. Then Jesus came to them in the place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples sit here while I go and pray over there next point you cannot fulfill your divine destiny if you are not a praying Christian forget about it not gonna happen why 
Because prayer strengthens your spirit to be able to do the will of God. You cannot fulfill your divine destiny with a weak spirit. Impossible. Because you're not going to fulfill the will of God just because you choose to and then try to do it in your own willpower. No, not going to work. Because this is a spiritual battle that you're in. You're battling yourself. You're battling your lust, your greed, your hate, your angers, your passions, your desires. You're also battling the pressures of life. You're also battling a demon spirit whose name is Satan with all of his demonic hordes who want to destroy you. And you're going to stand up and go like, Peter, I will never deny you. I don't know him. I don't know him. Never knew him. Right? That's what happens in our own natural strength. And so that's why Jesus says in the same passage, I'm going to jump down to verse 41. Jesus says to the disciples, watch and what? Say it out loud. Yeah, watch and pray. Jesus is telling his first disciples this. He's telling his disciples of the 21st century this. He's telling you this today. Watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. In other words, unless you fall in the temptation that's tempting you. Which we all have, we all do. There's no perfect Christians here. I'm just telling you how to fulfill your divine destiny. Jesus is telling you here how to fulfill your divine destiny. You can't be a prayerless Christian and make it. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Say it out loud with me. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh. Can anybody identify with this scripture? <laughs> we got three honest people in church today, and they're going like this. The rest of you are like, I don't know, me. I've never sinned. The spirit is willing. You want to do the right thing, but your flesh is weak. That's your flesh. (laughs) Jesus says the key to being able to do the will of God is prayer. And then he goes on. And he says this. And he took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. You cannot make it. You cannot fulfill your divine destiny alone. You were not designed by God to make it through trials in life alone. Here's a phrase that's been preached for decades, centuries, I don't know. I don't think it's accurate. So let me just say this to you and you can decide. This phrase that God will never give you more than you can handle. I do not believe that at all. I don't see any scripture to support that. There is a scripture in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, is it? Where he talks about, that God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. That word temptation, and in context, is talking about sin. That you will not be tempted to sin beyond your ability to obey God. Because that just wouldn't be fair. But to say that life will never throw at you more than you can handle as a human being is stupid. I mean, who are you? Even Jesus Christ Asked his buddies for help. So who do you think you are? Come on. I mean, that right there should pretty much just 
put that argument to bed. Jesus, he says, come pray with me, my friends. He picked his three closest friends. He said, I need you guys. I have a list. I have a, a short list. Well, mine's not that short. Probably 15 people that I can call at any second and they will be there for me. And guess what? Over the last year and a half or two years, I call them pretty much every day. <laughs> I kind of like, you know, I go in a rotation because you don't want to keep calling the same person because then they're not going to hear from you, right? So I, I kind of like pick and choose who am I going to call today? And I do. This week, I called three different people on three different days and said, I really need prayer. I need help. I need counsel. I need your advice. I've learned that I cannot survive and thrive without my friends, and neither can you. Even Jesus Christ himself. Do you have a list of people? Do you have a short list of people that you could call today and say, I need help, and they would be there for you? That's what connect groups are for. You can't just come to church on a Sunday morning and think that you're, gonna in, you're in community. No, you're in a crowd, and we're worshiping, and you're hearing the word preached. That's pretty much what you have today, and it's critical. However, you've got to have your own band of believers that run with you on Monday through Saturday. You, if you're going to do it solo, you are going to fail. And if you think that's different, that's your ego talking. That's your fear talking of intimacy or feeling like you, need to be, you want to be, don't want to be dependent on others. I was talking to a young 20-something this week, and she was shamed uh, because she said, I had the hardest week I've had in a very long time, and I, I just I failed, and I couldn't, I, couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't do this, and I couldn't fulfill my responsibility there, and I had a broke down, and I cried, and, and, I, and I, I said, well, why don't you ask for help? And she said, I just wanted to, I want to be able to do it myself. And I said, well, what do you think that's about? And she got quiet and she got on and she said, ego, pride. I said, that's exactly what that is. If you were fulfilling God's destiny for your life, it's too big for you. God's purpose and plan for your life is bigger than you. That's why he makes us a body. That's why we need each other. We are in this together. We're worshiping some of these songs, and so many of them, and this isn't against Pastor Josh because he didn't write any of these songs, though I pray he'll start writing for us and for the kingdom of God. However, so many of the songs we sing are about I, 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 I. I would, I would love to have more songs when we come together to say we adore you, we bow before you, we welcome you. We, we, we. Why? Because when we come together, there is a corporate presence and power that you don't get when you're on your own. You certainly get experience God on your own, but, but there's a whole different presence, anointing, uh, dimension of power that happens when we come together as God's people. He said, if two or more gather together in my name, I am there. Well, certainly he's with you when you're alone, but he's there in a unique way when we come together. Because we are his body. We are his family. We're coming to our father's house. And dad says, my kids. I mean, there it's a party. I mean, that's different than when you're walking alone with God. Okay, so. In this passage, Jesus said something that should encourage us all. When it gets really, really difficult to obey God. And you feel 
depressed, discouraged, at the end of your rope, worn out, frazzled, fearful. Anybody ever felt that way before? And God's telling you, stay in your marriage. Stay in your job. Forgive that person. I can't. Forgive that person. No. Forgive that person. Right? Ask for forgiveness. What? Yes. Ask for forgiveness. Continue to parent your children well, even though you feel like you want to fling them off a cliff. Be a good dad anyway. Be a good mom anyway. Stay in that job even though your, your boss is unfair and he's a jerk and your co-workers uh, are unpleasant, unlovely. Stay there. Be the salt and light. Quit jumping around, trying to find the perfect environment. Be the environment. Be the salt and light of the world right where you are. Don't go to try to find a place where all Christians work there because light shines brightest in the dark. I don't run from the dark. I run into the dark. Like, I really mean that. That's why many times when I leave church, I'll go someplace like BJ's and I'll, I'll sit up there in that bar area. You know why? Because those people didn't go to church today. They're not going to church. I want to sit there and eat my spaghetti and I want to have a conversation with somebody, which I do often. And I'm telling you, people are lost and people are hurting. If all you want to do is hang out with church people and be in places where there's no pressure and the environment is safe and easy, you are not going to become like Christ. You're not going to Gethsemane. You're not getting that pressure squeezed out of you, and you're not saving the world. But I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to other congregations around San Diego. This is for those that are online that just happen to stumble upon our, our YouTube feed, okay? This is not, I'm not talking to you guys. You guys are amazing. Jesus says this, the Son of God, he began to be sorrowful. Jesus, sorrowful and deeply distressed. Jesus. Then he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Do not feel like a second-rate citizen of the kingdom of God because you experience sorrow, grief, distress, depression. These things aren't sinful. These things are part of our human condition. Even Jesus, the Son of God, experienced that. You know what that makes him? It doesn't disqualify him. Jesus' negative emotions did not disqualify him from being our Savior or reduce his divine nature, but rather through them he became our merciful and faithful high priest. The Bible actually says that. In fact, I want to read this scripture to you. I'm going to read it off the board here. Let's go to the book of Hebrews there. Therefore, in all things, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has, been, has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are being tempted. Jesus feels you. He doesn't shame you. He doesn't say, you are pathetic. That never comes out of Jesus' mouth. Those critical voices are not coming from God. That's your own stuff. That's your abusive parent. That's your last boyfriend or the last pastor you had, which is why you're here now. I mean, those, those shaming, critical, condemning voices are never from your Father in heaven. He suffered 
the same way you suffer in life. So he gets it. And the same way, if you allow yourself to go through suffering, you also will be able to be empathetic and merciful and tender and non-judgmental to your brother and sister when they go through difficult times. One of my friends who was a clinical psychologist, I won't tell you her upbringing because it was so horrific and we just don't have time to get into it, but just imagine a horrific childhood. And she was sitting in her car, had been a clinical psychologist for 30 years, and she's just nonchalantly telling her friend who's, they're parked and the friend's, you know, in the driver's seat. And my friend is telling her friend just about her childhood. And she's telling her story like she had a million times. And all of a sudden she felt the car kind of shaking and she looked over and her friend was sobbing. And she's like, oh, what's the matter? She looks at her and said, that's the most horrible story I've ever heard in my entire life. And then my friend started crying and she said, that was the most therapeutic session she's ever had in her entire life just the empathy of her friend weeping over her experience brought more healing to her than all the counseling she had experienced jesus weeps when you weep like he really does remember when he was came to lazarus's tomb and he began to weep it was all the grief and sorrow that's around him that jesus felt and he entered into their grief then he fixed their situation we're going to continue to read and he went a little farther verse 39 and fell on his face have you ever just fallen on your face in the presence of god no time to pray i'm going to pray and then you pop off this profound prayer yes the way i pray everybody is like this our father in heaven Holy is your, no, none of that's going on right here. This is Jesus saying, I got to pray. And then he just falls on his face. And let's see his profound, deep prayer. He fell on his face praying, oh, my father, oh, God. And have you ever prayed the oh, God prayer? Not the oh, God, the oh, God. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? That's the prayer Jesus is praying right here. If it's possible, no. (laughs) I don't want to do this, Father. Yeah. Yes, our Savior knows what it feels like to not want to do the will of God because it's so hard. Is there any other way? No. Let me ask somebody else. (laughs) Let me try a different counselor. Let me try a different pastor. Let me find new friends. I got to find somebody who will support what I really want to do. Because I got to, I got to, somebody's got to. Give me the answer I want because my flesh doesn't want to do what God has told me to do. All right. Can this cup pass from me? And here is the big fat word of the day. Say it out loud. Oh, you better say it louder than that. One more time. Nevertheless, all your flesh hates that word. Even though I don't want you to do the will of God. 
nevertheless. And you cross over that nevertheless line, whoo, now you've entered into supernatural territory. Now you've entered into the crucifixion of the flesh. What is that? Oh, that's my will, my pride, my flesh on the altar. And what am I experiencing over here? The presence, the blessings, the power, fruitfulness, Christ-likeness. 